What is up, everybody, to the nations worldwide? This is the Travel Couple Podcast, where we introduce you to couple travelers who offer their advice on how you can travel the world together while earning money, living that digital nomad lifestyle. We're your hosts, Mike Pletz and Natalie. Tune in every Wednesday as we interview couples living a digital nomad lifestyle, traveling the world while earning an income, get relationship advice about being on the road with your significant other, and listen how others are struggling and thriving in their personal and business lives, all while traveling the world. This is your one-stop podcast for travel, relationship, and business goals. We have started our Travel Couple Book Club, so be sure to follow along each and every week. Visit our website at www.travelcouplepodcast.com to join the list. On our blog, we'll be focusing on how you can take actions to start saving for your next trip. We'll provide actionable advice on how you can save money on all of your purchases and put money away for your trips. Follow along at tothenationsworldwide.com slash blog. This month, we are diving into becoming a digital nomad by creating your own business or finding remote work. If this interests you, you'll want to tune in to this podcast each week. In today's episode, we talk with Jim and Mora. They own their own online businesses. We get to talk with them about how they set up their businesses, how their businesses have evolved over the time, and how they incorporate travel into their lives. So without wasting any more of your time, here's our interview with Jim and Mora. Today we are joined by Jim and Mora. Jim has worked to create a sports cartoon character named Mike, a talking microphone who we'll be talking more about during this interview, and you can catch it at themike.com. He is also the head of USA and as an international board member for FIMBA the world's largest senior sports federation. Mora is a blogger and podcaster who has released ebooks, courses online, and has become an international speaker. You can learn more about her at moraforyou.com. That's M-A-U-R-A for the number you.com. Hello, Jim and Mora. Welcome to the show. Mike, thanks for having us. We're excited to be guests today. We are. Thanks for having us on, Mike. Thanks so much for taking the time out of your day to join me here with this podcast. I just want to get started to uh, hand the floor over to you and for you to tell your, tell uh, a bit more about yourselves to our audience. Sure. Uh, my wife and I met way, way, way <laughs> back in 1977 during the first week of our sophomore years in college. Uh, we attended Boston College and we met, of all places, we're not drinkers, but we met on a booze cruise, which wow. was a four-story barge that made its way around Boston Harbor uh, one, you know, uh, I think it was a Friday evening, and uh, I had not known more at the time, but I spotted her up on the fourth level as we were cruising around the Boston Harbor, and she was a singer. She was the entertainment for that night, and I remember to this day, she was singing uh, Will You Marry Me, Bill by The Fifth Dimension. And even before I met her, even before I had spoken with her once, I knew I was going to marry her. That is awesome. You know, I should I should qualify when Jimmy said I was working on the barge. You know, this was actually a back-to-school event at Boston College back then. That was one of the, you know, previews of starting school at Boston College. And I was a freshman um, uh, facilitator, so I had a whole group of freshman students, brought them on board to this barge, 
And we were, it was back in the late 70s, so we were still like in the folk era. And here I was um, drinking 7-Up. Jimmy had a Coca-Cola, and a common friend introduced us after I got finished singing. And we have literally been together since that first meeting. And isn't it interesting? We were sort of traveling on the barge around Boston Harbor, September of 1977, and we're still traveling today. And that fits in perfectly with our podcast topic. That's excellent. That's such a great story. How uh, how did that relationship blossom from that moment when you guys met? Well, fortunately, we were in the same you know, class. We were sophomores at the time at Boston College. Uh, you know, it's not that big of a school. It's only eight thousand students, two thousand per class. So all of the uh, uh, the classes were kind of held in the same central area. We would see each other quite regularly. Uh, then we started to date, and we would see each other all the time. Uh, and it was an easy place, you know, to build a relationship when you're away at school, because it's not as if we're working full-time jobs, and it's not as if we were living in di- two different cities. We're only within walking distance apart from each other, where we lived, where we went to school. Yeah, and you know one thing that's coming to mind: our college was in Chestnut Hill, so it was in a suburb of Boston. But while everybody else was staying on campus for like their beer parties or whatever, or going to the local Marianne's bar, Jimmy and I, every weekend when we had a chance, would get on the trolley and go to downtown Boston. So I think there was always something in us that we were kind of creating our own path, going in our own way, and going outside the typical zone where maybe everybody else was found. So those were little tiny baby steps at the beginning. For sure. Excellent story, guys. So we're going to just jump right in to talking about travel with the two of you. So I like to introduce a, a simple two-word question to all of my guests to start this topic. And it for so many of our guests, it has such a complex response. And that is, why travel? Uh, that's easy. For the excitement, uh, for education, for food. Only get two answers. That's it. Two, oh, oh, two no, words. Two, oh, <laughs> sorry. Now, let's say excitement and fun. Awesome. Great. And I'm going to give you the words get out because to get out literally because growing up, I lived in a one square mile town and I felt like even everybody in my town was so taken up with the one square mile. And all I could think was, I want to go to New York. I want to get on airplanes. I want to get out of whatever the whatever the common and the common environment is that I'm in so I can explore. But that was it. Get out. Perfect. Excellent. Okay, so where were the two of you last? Where are you right now? And where are you traveling to next? All right, I'll go first. I was last uh, earlier this month in Las Vegas. I went out to play in a uh, Masters basketball tournament. So I was there for several days for that. And at the same time, I have uh, uh, an avocation, which is uh, Masters Hoops. And one of the things I do as an international board level uh, member for this organization called FIMBA is I try to find places where FIMBA world events could be hosted in the future. And they've never had a tournament in Las Vegas. So I met with some executives at a couple different resorts out there about the possibility of hosting one of our events in Las Vegas, you know, in, I think, 2021. So that's that's where I was last by myself. But where we were as a couple uh, was the Balkans in uh, November and early December 2017. But yeah, I should interject. I did tell you Jimmy was going to do most of the talking because I have difficulty getting out of our own backyard. But 
Um, while Jimmy was in Las Vegas that same week, I was in The Hague in the Netherlands, and I did find my own way there. I've been there several times. Um, I was at a women's economic forum where I was speaking, but the exciting thing for me, too, that sort of goes right in line with my business and my initiatives is I was given an international award, Woman of the Decade for Personal Leadership, the very topic I speak on. So we were both in di- on different continents, both traveling in the same week. That was couple of weeks ago i guess yes that is such an amazing award congratulations on that oh thank you just think it took me decades to get there (laughs) (laughs) so where we were last as a couple was the balkans and uh, Moore had spoken 15 times in five different countries over the course of like three and a half weeks so she spoke at universities uh, a women's conference u.s embassy outposts and i also had an opportunity to play in a master's basketball tournament in Belgrade, Serbia. Uh, and it was the third year in a row that I had played in that tournament. Uh, but we love that part of the world. We love the Balkans. We've been to every country within the Balkans. But on this last trip, uh, we're, we were in five countries, which were Albania, Kosovo, Macedonia, Greece, and Serbia. And we had a wonderful time. Uh, Maura got to work doing her speaking gig. I got to play basketball. And at the same time, we're able to pen our own individual blogs when we're away and even do research for future blogs and future books. Plus spend time with some friends, people that we had met previously and then new people, too. So it was it was really fun all the way around. For sure. That's awesome. I just want to pause you there and ask you your favorite country or destination in that particular area. Uh, that's a no-brainer for me, even though we weren't there this last trip, but in the Balkans, my favorite country far and away is Croatia. I think it's the most spectacularly beautiful country on earth, very much like uh, California, the same size geographically, but population-wise, it's one-twelfth the population. The sea is crystal clear. There's a dry part, an arid part in the south, which is called the Dalmatian Coast, and in the north, which they refer to as Istria, is very green, much like Northern California. It's gorgeous. The people are friendly. They're welcoming. Uh, Tourism is embraced there. The food is absolutely spectacular. I have to just say ditto. It's real. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. And you know, the thing for us, Mike, is that Jimmy has always, even when I met him in college, I thought this guy is such a pioneering sort. He's got adventure written all over him. And he just always would think about travel. So we were probably some of, if not the first Americans I knew of that had actually traveled to Croatia. The first time we went, Jimmy had learned about it. He said, Mora, somebody said this place is awesome. We've got to go. And as we shared with people that we had been to Dubrovnik, Croatia, the first question was, what is it and where is it? And then the second question was, don't they have a war going on there? And the interesting thing is since that original trip, we've probably been back maybe a dozen times I don't know and now it has become one of the most popular destinations abroad especially for um, uh, Caribbean cruises people Mm -hmm. just love the area it's beautiful definitely okay so where are the two of you right now we are sitting in my wife's beautiful office in Clearwater Florida we both work out of the house Uh, we live in a townhome in Clearwater we love the lifestyle because it's very easy no yard work no pool cleaning, uh, no sweeping of uh, roof gutters, uh, one door in, one door out. And we just love you know, working out of the house. We love, uh, I guess, the freedom of 
uh, of the lifestyle that we've created for ourselves. And Clearwater is a great place to be, especially at this time of the year. And uh, a little shout out, uh, Clearwater Beach, which is less than 15 minutes from our house, is voted again as the top beach in the United States. Nice. You know, Mike, it just brought something to mind. I know this obviously is the couple travel show, but both Jimmy and I, we went to Boston College, which is where we met. We're both from New Jersey. I'm from right outside of New York City. Jimmy's from the Trenton area. I grew up wanting to live in Florida. I couldn't stay in cold winters. And to me, the idea of going to Florida and living there was literally like living in paradise. We're right near Tampa Bay. We've got palm trees. And as Jimmy said, we've got the beautiful beach. And so even though we're at home in many ways, it's like our home is a place we travel to get to and now travel to come home to. Very nice. That's that's awesome to live there for sure. So uh, moving this on, where are you traveling to next? That's an easy one. I'm going in three days to Japan. I'm going for two and a half weeks and I'm going to play in a Masters basketball tournament in Matsue, Japan. But first, I'm going to go to Tokyo, then to Kyoto, Nagasaki, Hiroshima, and eventually meet up with uh, nine other friends in Matsui for the FIMBA uh, World Basketball League tournament, uh, which starts in about 10 days. And then I think a week or two after you get back, is that right? We'll be heading, we'll be taking a car trip, which is another thing we really love to do. We'll be going along the Gulf Coast uh, and ending up in New Orleans. And so that should be a fun trip. For sure. That's awesome. And another destination in June, I have another basketball tournament, and it's the FIMBA Pan Am Games, and I'll be in Natal, Brazil, which is a beach resort area uh, about three hours north of Rio. And we're taking four United States teams to participate in the FIMBA World or the FIMBA Pan American Games. And there's total 235 teams. So we're excited about going there. Yeah. No kidding. That is awesome. Okay. So traveling together, what has been your most awkward, embarrassing, or hilarious travel experiences that you've had? All right. This is. uh, Japan 1984. Uh, when we first yeah. moved to Florida, I worked for uh, Ecker Drug Company, which has since been bought by CVS and Rite Aid. And at that time, they were one of the largest retailers in the United States. And I worked in their import department. So a couple times a year, I'd have a chance to go to Asia to do importing because I was a buyer for the front end products in the store, which include electronics, watches, personal care items, and such. And every time that we would go on one of these trips, we were treated like royalty as the buyers because we carried a big pen and we bought, you know, millions of dollars worth of imported goods. So there was one night at this elaborate dinner in Tokyo and I was the lone American, uh, obviously representing a drug company at the time. And there had to be about 15 or 20 uh, people that were there. And I was just a young kid at the time. I think I was in the mid 20s, but they treated me like a visiting royal. And every time I spoke, they all, you know, uh, they all stopped talking to listen what the American buyer was going to say. And it was getting long into the night. And I asked our host and I said, can you please tell me where the restroom is? The restroom. I had to go to the bathroom. I said, please tell me where the restroom is. And the host goes, ah, Jim-san, you tired? 
I said, no, I'm not tired. I don't have to take a rest. I had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and that was probably my funniest travel story. I just got the biggest kick out of that. And everybody that's sure. so concerned that Jim, the big American buyer, was tired. No, he just had a <laughs> Oh, gosh. That, I, that's really good. I could tell you my most uh, embarrassing, maybe hilarious, it was a combination um, of uh, travel experiences. Several years ago, maybe like a dozen years ago, I went to Uganda, and I was on a place that was in Lake Victoria, and it was an island that really had no name, but they used to refer to it as Fly Island. This is where people never went to it. People never came back from it. They had no idea of any place called Europe or anywhere else. So there's no bathrooms, no running water. People don't shower there. And I lived for seven days in a self-pitched tent. So and I happened to go with a group. We were bringing, we were, I think I was going to say bringing water, but we were doing several things there, including making for a, um, a well. So at the end of these seven days when I have not showered, I've been living in this self-pitched tent and I've been using baby wipes to clean myself with, we end up getting on um, a boat and this boat is a hewn out um, tree trunk with a motor in the back of it. We finally get to mainland, then we get into a big um, van or something and they take us to a village. At the village we stop and we're going to have some lunch as a group. I go to the restroom where I could, there actually was a restroom and some running water and for the first time in over a week I look at myself in the mirror. I was like who is that lady? My hair hadn't been washed. It was so frizzy. I thought oh my <laughs> gosh I came back to the table where everybody was eating. I said I have an, I have an announcement to make. So they all looked at me. I said I have to apologize to all of you. I said, if I had a mirror anywhere on that island, I would have been apologizing to you for the last three days. It was just so <laughs> funny to think, wow, you don't realize when you're in such remote areas how quickly your appearance can um, can start to decline. And mine definitely had. <laughs> I call that both hysterical, hilarious, embarrassing all at the same time. For sure. that was. Those are two great stories, guys. Now, it, it really sounds like you two travel together quite often, and then you also have those times where you, you're traveling separately. So continuing on to our next topic, which is relationships involving with travel, how do you feel traveling has affected your relationship? I think I, without doubt it strengthened it. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I could honestly say that we've been eternally compa compatible. That's not to mm -hmm. say that our relationship has always been perfect, but I think when you travel, you need to be more patient. You need to plan a little bit better. Uh, you need to think outside the box. Uh, since you're traveling with your spouse and also your work partner, uh, you really need to understand and anticipate that individual's needs. So, mm -hmm. uh, it's definitely made us stronger individually as well as stronger together as a couple. Yeah, because we end up experiencing a lot of different things, especially if we've gone to countries we haven't been to before. But, you know, we both really enjoy travel. And the thing is, we both, this Jimmy has made me do this after decades of experience, we travel as lightly as possible. If we can't travel with a backpack and a suitcase in hand that we could take with us physically everywhere we go, we don't do it. So we've really had to learn how to adapt to that whole experience so that when we're on the road, we're pretty free to come and go rather than feeling like, you know, I'm the lady with 16 suitcases. 
So that's been a real big thing for us too. For sure. Yeah, that's excellent. Uh, so continuing on with this, how about traveling separately from each other? How do you guys uh, remain in communication? How has that affected your relationship? When we first started traveling uh, separately, when I worked for Eckerd Drug Company, as I referenced previously, or when I went on my first basketball trips by myself, uh, this was before the cell phone era, before Skype, uh, before WhatsApp or Viber. So you had to be very prudent and judicious in the times that you're able to speak with one another. Uh, so we would find like the best available long-distance calling plans. Uh, at that time, we didn't have cell phones, so we, you were always uh, dependent upon a landline. Uh, but now, uh, when we go away, we speak every day, sometimes multiple times a day. We're both uh, on WhatsApp. We both have Skype. Uh, you could do Facebook, uh, FaceTime. So it's easy to be able to communicate now, but previously, you know, maybe eight, ten years uh, ago and beyond, it was uh, it was a, a challenge to be able to communicate as often as you would prefer. You know, Mike, with your question, I'm thinking about the earliest experience we had transatlantic trying to speak. I went away and studied in uh, Madrid, Spain, uh, my junior year abroad, and. You know, I would write letters back then. This is like amazing when you think about it. Every letter that we would write would take seven days to get to its destination. So think about that. Phone calling was so expensive. I We hardly ever did it, but I remember in Madrid back then, there were a couple of what they would refer to as broken phones. Occasionally, a phone would break. People all over the city would find out about it, especially kids like us. And you could put in the equivalent of like five cents into a um, regular toll booth. And, you know, toll phone. And for, I think we got maybe seven to 10 seconds to, to talk. And I remember calling Jimmy's uh, roommates back in Boston and saying, is he there? Hurry up. He's got to get on the phone because I've got 20 people in the line <laughs> waiting. So that was like, we've literally gone from that to being able to speak on Skype face to face with great reception. And that's been kind of like the evolution of uh, communication over the decades. That is that is incredible for sure. So how about when planning a trip together? Who's going to take care of what? Do you guys have set tasks that uh, one no. another tackles? Jimmy is the task. Jimmy does it all. I have to give credit where it's due, Mike. Let me share with you, Mike, and our audience. Moore does a great time of just showing up at the 11th hour and 59 seconds looking great. But prior to that, it's I'm the uh, logistical person. Moore is gotcha. more of the uh, cerebral type of the she's uh, left-handed so that says a lot and uh <laughs> uh she i cannot zipper up her bag until the very last second and she's always telling me leave room for my hair straight <laughs> even though we pack lightly <laughs> she will always schlep this gigantic hair straightener and you got to save room in the luggage for her hair straightener yeah, yeah. we you know it's funny jimmy is so organized and i'm more creative so i'm even thinking all right where am i going to be jimmy already knows the weather, he's figured everything out. I always tell him the weather's going to change. But I'm thinking, all right, where am I going to be speaking? What environments are I going to be in? You know, what are the right combinations of things to put together? And he's right. He could literally be in the car downstairs with the um, the trunk open. He's already been packed. We're ready to go to the airport. And I'm saying, I'll be right there. And he's busy beeping the horn. And I am putting the last items in the backpack 
and suitcase and running out the door. So, you know, we're definitely different, but we together we work. <laughs> gotcha, for sure. And it's good to have those those compliments in the relationship for sure. <laughs> so, um Moving on to our, our final part here, we're going to talk about what the two of you have created online, uh, starting with Mike. Uh, Jim, can you talk to us a little bit about Mike and how this started? Sure, I'm happy to. Uh, Mike is actually a trademark cartoon character. He's uh, an alter ego, witty, outside the box, talking head on sports. And that's exactly what he is. He's a microphone by the name of Mike. Raphone, who was just the head uh, that is a microphone. And uh, sportscasters are known as talking heads. So we call Mike the ultimate talking head on sports. And Mike uh, is manifested in some animation. I have published 40 sports comic books through the voice of Mike that include witty, uh, you know, silly things that through the lens of Mike that he identifies in the sports world. Uh, for example, our top-selling book is called Mike's Spiritual Sports Favorites. And when I say that to people, they say, Mike, spiritual? And it's all a take on Amen Corner, uh, which is uh, a golfing term, Pigeon Heaven, which is where you sit, like in the 600 section of a stadium, uh, you know, Reggie White, the Minister of Defense, and it's all these sports-related terms that are spiritual in nature, that have nothing to do with being spiritual, but they're spiritual in, in nature. So with Mike, my goal with him is to become the first ever animated brand that transcends all sports. I expect uh, for Mike to be seen, I don't know it's, whether it's in the next year or it's going to take me another five, but on either an ESPN, a Fox Sports, CBS, NBC, uh, or TBS as a real um, celebrity interacting with real people, even though he's a cartoon character. That is really interesting, and it's really cool that that's that's like your your goal with Mike, because that that would be a really interesting thing to see for sure. What can yeah. people look forward to with uh, Mike on well, themike.com? You can look, and it's the Mike T H E E M I K E. That's T H E E M I K E as the ultimate talking head on sports. Uh, you can look forward to regular blogs. I've published uh, a thousand blogs over the course of the last several years, and I follow a basic theme. Like every Thursday, I do a Throwback Thursday blog in which I remember or recall either an individual, a play, a team, or something significant that has transpired in the sports world. Uh, I do a Friday Sports Funny that has commentary, and it's just a, a sports cliche that has been brought to life. And because I've done uh, 40 books over the last uh, several years. Uh, once a week, I try to take one of the chapters out of the books and offer it as a teaser as a part of my blog and have people read the blog and then go and purchase the rest of the book. Awesome. Yeah, that's yeah, really, but I love really cool. what I do. I love what I do. And yeah. you know, I feel like Mike has uh, been coursing through my DNA when I was born, January 3rd, 1958. So he's been around for a while. Mike is me. <laughs> Gotcha. Yeah, for sure. And um, going over to Mora. Mora, what can we find at moraforyou.com? What what can we find there for our listeners? You could find, interesting how Jimmy said his character, Mike, really he was born with it. Mine is a, it's a blog 
There are podcasts. I have well over 100 podcasts. I'm an author. Uh, and it's, as Jimmy mentioned, I'm a public speaker nationally as well as internationally. And I'm also um, a common or popular, I would say, media personality. You could tell I like, I love talking to people. My, the genesis of my moraforyou.com website got started when I was a preschooler living right outside of New York on the New Jersey side. And as I told you, our town was one square mile. And for me, it felt like a box. For everybody else, it was like, ooh, the whole world takes place in this town. But I would look up in the sky at airplanes flying in and out of Newark Airport. And I thought, where in the world are those airplanes going? I imagine them literally going around the globe. And as a preschooler, all I wanted to do was travel the world, make new friends. And I also wanted to write and be a goodwill ambassador. And And also, I was just so taken up with really good leadership that people could all kind of get behind and feel like they were one working together. So today, people could go to moreforyou.com. They could find over 200 YouTube videos. They could um, subscribe to my podcasts. They could read my blogs. They could hire me as a speaker. They could get my e-course. But all of it is designed around the whole idea of what does it take for us to live a happy and fulfilled life from the inside out. And everything I believe that I do, hope that I do, and really am so passionate about, Mike, is bringing people in a supposedly divided world together and to do it in a very uplifting and unifying way. So that is moraforyou.com. And it's everything I've been as a child, and I'm so glad I get a chance to travel the world bring those stories in and make other people in different parts of the world feel like they're more connected to the human condition. That is awesome. And that's, that's such a great way to inspire other people's uh, other people around the world. And it's, it's really, it's really an interesting website. And I just want to ask, did you always plan for this uh, progression in your career all the way up until becoming a speaker or is this something that a door opened and you took advantage of it and you went for it you know what a good question one of the reasons why i'm so passionate about people living happy from the inside out meaning living a life that makes them happy that they're passionate about and where they feel like they're being their authentic self is because when i was growing up as much as i was looking at those airplanes wanting to travel the world take dance classes and be with all of my friends i was groomed and trained instead to be very academic which i still am i'm always i've always got my nose in a book someplace um, I was supposed to be a lawyer. So I literally went halfway through law school and thought, I'm going to die doing this up in New Jersey. And I left law school, ended up with a corporate background, corporate management, built it, helped my husband build a company, homeschooled our daughter when she was growing up. But I will say this, I always knew there was something inside of me, and I'm going to call it like a dream, a childhood dream to help foster or let's say bring attention to a better world society where people really get along better and where it's a happier place. So I'll just tell you that in the course of all these years, I always knew whatever I was doing, I wasn't yet ready. So all I was doing was cultivating a lot of life experience, a lot of stories, being in a lot of places. And I just took all of my background and then added so much together to it. And it was interesting when I started the writings and the YouTubes, um, this was just when 
digital media was really getting popular. So I wouldn't have really had the voice and the opportunity and the chance to be called the, the literally the ambassador of happiness. I got that title from UNESCO Center for Peace. I wouldn't have been able to do all those things under my own name, with my own ideas, until I got older and felt I was ready, but also that we had a digital environment where I could actually get my voice and my my blogs and um, everything else I wanted to do out into the uh, public space. So it was sort of like my physical timing in terms of age, but then also social timing in terms of technology. Definitely. Okay. So then for the two of you, for both of your uh, your websites and your projects, what do you feel has been the the largest contributor towards getting your message out there, whether that's an online tool or social media or even a a resource or a tactic that you use. What what is that? I would say it's a combination of things. It's having great content. You just can't put something up because, you know, you've got a deadline of Thursday that you always release a blog. It's got to be, it's got to be good. It has to be compelling. It has to give people uh, the, uh, the oomph to say, hey, I want to uh, download this. I want to read more. I want to see, you know, what these people have to say. And I think you always have to have a good image. You have to have a good headline. Uh, and you want to make sure that your article is well written, you know, right punctuation, right choice of words, uh, active verbs, not a lot of is's, not a lot of I's in it. And you want it to appeal to people. And in my case, it's got to be witty. It's got to be funny. And I always have to stay within uh, the voice of the character and follow that theme. And in Maura's case, we always look for, people have told her, I love your images. We always look for Maura's picture uh, in that image. And we've traveled so much over the years that we have unique places where we've captured Maura in a picture. And I think that enhances her blog because, um, you know, people get to see her uh, as, and it makes it more authentic that she's writing about something Uh, She's the author, but she's also in the image that kind of is tied in with the blog that she's writing. And also in Moore's case, she does a lot of podcasts. You know, she's got videos and she inserts those links so that there's more content in the original content. So that's the challenge is always being true to the purpose of your character, in my case, Mike, and always being true to the nature of Moore's living happy inside out mantra that she's carried for many years and that she's able to articulate through her blog, through her books, through her podcast, in her speaking, and through her videos. You know, I I forgot the main question, Mike, but I might as well mention some of these things. Um, Mm -hmm. On my podcast, the Maura Sweeney Living Happy Inside Out podcast, I got this aha moment one day and I thought most of them are just 10 minutes long. They ask a question, they tell a story, and they give people just a call to action to how they could become happier from the inside and live a more authentic life. And I thought, wait a minute, with all these places I go, I can invite people to come on my podcast and share with my listeners what makes them happy from the inside out. So as we're traveling, I've gotten people from so many different countries to get on the podcast and they give their name, they tell where they're from, and they share what it is about their lives that really make them happy. And the neat thing about it is that I've had so many people say to me, oh, Maura, 
I realized that, first of all, you're introducing me to people from other countries I would never meet, from different backgrounds I would never know. But in just that simple question, what makes you happy from the inside out, people find and sense in it the similarities we all have around the world rather than the differences. And I think it it takes away from a lot of the fears and the divisions. And that really, I have to tell you, without no pun intended, that's what really makes me happy too. And uh, so that's been a good part. Um, we've also done some videos, which I love doing right on the spot. Like I remember the last one I did was last summer. We spent about three weeks in um, Tuscany area of Italy, central Italy, whatever. And one of the places we had been to was Pisa. Now, the way I do, because I'm left-handed and I always think very differently, I'm looking, obviously, at the Leaning Tower, and I'd seen it before, but I thought, what a great backdrop for me to ask my audience, what do you do in a world where things don't seem like they're standing straight up and you want to be that straight up person? So here Mm -hmm. I am. I have my husband take the camera. He's videotaping me, and it takes all of a minute and a half maybe to put the thing together, and I'm immediately able to upload it to YouTube. So it's on the road. It's got a great backdrop from somewhere else, and people feel like they're with me right in the moment, and it still keeps to my general uh, premise, which is how do people live a happy and authentic life from the inside? So it's kind of I guess it's a mixed bag with all of us, but whatever it is, it, they're things that work for us and that help us remain true to ourselves. That is awesome advice, guys, and really, really inspiring. So I just want to ask one more question here. There, There's a couple out there listening to this podcast right now who has many ideas and they want to start something similar to what you guys have started online to create some momentum, to help them live a travel lifestyle. Can you give them one piece of advice on how they can get started in doing so? Take the first step after you've put together an elementary plan, but take that first step. Don't wait until tomorrow. Don't wait until next week. Don't wait until you think you have a lot of money saved in the bank. Don't wait until the planets align. Take the first step today. And you know what advice I would give? Believe it or not, this sounds like it's more practical coming from me, the left-handed person. I have shared this several times. One of the reasons why Jimmy and I travel an awful lot, and people think, oh, how do you do it? Or where do you get this money? I could never travel. I think that people end up being too heavy laden with purchases they've made or things they think they need to buy, which ends up cutting into their lifestyle budget. With us, Jimmy and I, we always had a priority for travel. And even more so when we decided as our daughter was growing that we really wanted to make our empty nest year, something that would allow us to travel all the time. So we sold our home, moved to a townhome that was easier to maintain. The overhead was less. So that would be the advice I would give to another couple. Think about the things that really define you, things that are really important to you. Build your your life at home around those things. And then really, I would say, lighten up and get rid of a lot of those things maybe that you don't need, don't want, don't want to have to spend money on so that you can use those funds and also the ease that you've created for yourself at home to help make it, um, to help facilitate you in your travels. Excellent, excellent advice. And I couldn't agree anymore. And there you have it, Jim and Maura sharing their travel stories with you today on the To The Nations Worldwide Travel Couple Podcast. I want to say a very special thank you to our guests for joining me on this podcast. Thank you guys so much. Thank Thank you. you. Bye-bye.
So I just want to turn the floor over to the two of you. Let us know what is next for Jim and Mora and where our audience can find you. Well, it's easy to find me. Uh, my character, Mike, can be found at themike.com. That's T-H-E-E-M-I-K-E.com. What's next for me? In a few days, I leave for Japan for some travel with friends and also to play in the FIMBA uh, World uh, Masters Basketball Tournament. Uh, also, what's next for me is in June, I'll travel to June or travel to Brazil to play in the FIMBA Pan American Games. And in between those dates, I'll be with my wife for a week. We're going to drive up the Florida panhandle and on to Mississippi, then eventually to New Orleans and spend a lot of uh, time uh, enjoying New Orleans, doing some research there, preparing for some future more uh, speaking engagements at a couple of the universities in the fall and enjoying life. And me, what am I going to do? I'm not doing quite as much as Jimmy, I'll tell you. When he's away in uh, Japan, our daughter's actually going to come down from, because uh, she travels all the time too. She'll be spending about a week with me, and she lives up in New York, and she's actually traveling down here too to attend a wedding. And um, the other thing, as soon as we hang up, I am going to meet up with my um, producer, and I'm putting together a new I, would, I guess I call it a sizzle reel that so many people have asked about, which sort of puts together all that I do in terms of public speaking, uh, media work, and my messaging. So uh, we're always busy, always doing something. <laughs> Thank you to all of our listeners out there to the nations worldwide. We cannot express our appreciation enough for having you listen to this podcast. Visit us at travelcouplepodcast.com slash 16 for this episode's show notes. Leave a comment on the page. We'll be sure to get back to you. And if you'd be so kind, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. This helps us understand how we can provide more value to you. This is Mike Pletz and Natalie. Hoping you have a wonderful adventure to the nations worldwide.